We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. A huge thanks to all of you that have already watched Season 5, Episode 1. That was called The Middles. Yeah. It was the Veloster N, the Civic SI, and the uh, GTI Rabbit Edition. The Middles. So we did that. That was Love our it. first episode. First of six new episodes in Season 5, which is playing right now on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. Yes, brief service announcement. That is the Motor Trend Cable Channel, not available <laughs> on the app because Motor Trend doesn't own our show. If they would That's like to put right. it on the app, we would be more than happy to take that check. And uh, Well, but, because they don't own the show, thank you a million times to our sponsors, Covercraft yes, yes. and Grizz Garage. And if you use the code every day, hopefully this is you know ingrained in you by yeah. now, but it actually works. We actually just had somebody write to us and mm-hmm. say, maybe I haven't been following along lately, but I just used the code and it got me 10% off. And free shipping. Yeah. Both of the above. So you can save some, some real good stuff there. Yeah, Plus their stuff great. is great. And we are uh, right in the middle of summertime. We actually had a, a, a mini meetup here recently with Drew. Yeah, Drew, right. how are you, sir? Right. And, and we went on a bike ride with him. And he, he actually looked at me and he went, you really do use your sunshades? And I said, yes. Heck yeah, Yes, man. it gets hot. I don't want to get the car quite as hot. I need to. The, the only Sizzles. downside is I've got to get one made for the Lotus because apparently the Lotus, they, they don't have one. Yeah, those are custom order, but they exactly, will. Because the they will. Is, exactly right. Will. Which is very cool. You can get it. And they, they really do fit. So those are awesome, and I'm swearing by it right now. In the su- it is summertime here, fiking stuff, which reminds me, yeah, other sure. things. We've got mountain bike content coming. Oh, Couple yes. weeks out, two three weeks That's out, we'll right. have our first mountain bike content coming. We're hoping for more of that down the line. I know this is not a biking show. I am aware. <laughs> I've heard. I got the memo. It's not going to be a major thing, but since it's a part of what Paul and I do all summer, and you guys seem to like some of the mountain biking stuff, we'll have some mountain biking videos. Very simple, fast blast style reviews of those. Except it will not be two of us on a bike. I should clarify. So. Oh, no. yeah. Anyway, but Different that's going to be fun as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've got a cool topic Tuesday to discuss here. It's it's a continuation of something that Todd and I have brought up before. That is about driver's education. Yeah, and yeah. actually, this comes from a recent press release from Volvo Cars USA, who is asking the state of driver education and is driver's education good enough mm-hmm. these days? It's the latest in a series of Volvo reports. From Volvo Car USA and the Harris Poll, and you can actually go on their media site and find this very poll and, and download. It's very interesting, but there's a few questions that we want to dive into for the topic Tuesday. And then we've also got a cool debate for Orlin Carney in the South Seattle area. Yeah, this is the smile test, essentially. Yeah, I, love it. I love it. You know, a zombie commuter, and he wants to get back into something that's going to make him smile. Let's do something better for him, for sure. That'll be cool. And then, of course, we have a ton of questions. You guys are always we do. great about questions. The minute Paul posts for questions, we get a ton. Oh, I love it. There's uh, a bit of news. News over uh, the holiday weekend here in the U.S., Independence Day holiday, and of course, the Goodwood Festival of Speed has been going on constantly mm-hmm. with yes, pretty much everything cool. on the planet. And there is yes. um, it's awesome. a, a little thing that I do want to touch on here from De Tomaso. Mm-hmm. Good, good. De Tomaso unveiled their P72 supercar designed yes. by Joan Wong, mm-hmm. who is also the designer. It actually shares its uh, essential ingredients with the Apollo IE supercar. Mm. It's also very, very close to the 2006 Glickenhaus Ferrari P45 designed by Pininfarina. It's close in underpinnings or it's close well, in, it, in It's regard? close in style. Okay. All right. And so cruising through Instagram this morning, I saw the Glickenhaus feed mm-hmm. call out De Tommaso saying, Haha, well, as I, I'm quoting, they put tracing paper over our Ferrari P34 
pasted much of the P45 stolen interior from Horatio, pumped it up like a Vargas girl, and turned it into an anime. Wow. So they had things to say. Oh, man. So I... I I agree. This this P45 was an homage to the Lama losing P330. Well, the P, P3, 34 okay. from 1966 and 1967. You remember that was the year that Ford took the top three positions at mm-hmm. Lama and then mm-hmm. everything else. Well, for the four positions after that was Porsche. And so these were the cars that you know Ford and Porsche were competing against. But they're beautiful. They're mm-hmm. gorgeous. They're phenomenal cars. And Glickenhaus has made now a business in racing. They are in the top category of racing. They have mm-hmm. f- at least five category wins, including the 24 Hours of mm. Nürburgring, a, a lot of others. 24 Hours of Coda, I believe. They're actually a full-on race team, and yeah. and they have designed some amazing stuff, and they're actually building their engine, their own engine now. It's, the latest racing news that I hear is that they are going to compete with Aston Martin in Le Mans at the highest hmm. level now. So the, this is what money can Lamont. do. <laughs> it's astounding. Well, let me put it another way. I should be be more fair. This is what money and our car obsession does. If you have the it, disease yes, and the money it. will feed that, uh-huh. then all of a sudden, I mean, if we had this money, we would do crazy things like this too. We, for, of course we would. <laughs> so essentially the Instagram feed was a little bit of complaining that the De Tomaso, this supercar, kind of copied what was going on over at Glickenhaus. But I want to say... Competition is healthy, but mm-hmm. here's the thing. That that Ferrari, that homage that used an Enzo as, as its foundation, yes. was it in itself an homage to the 66-67 Ferrari 330. It's hard to point fingers. You're absolutely right. So there's no real moratorium or even you know an exclusivity to building homage cars. Mm-hmm. And they did mm-hmm. a great job, but here's De Tomaso with also a racing history and a yeah. long lineage yeah. of yeah, yeah. doing things differently. I almost see it actually referencing what you would call the Tomasima cars mm. from, gosh, back in the 60s as well. So just, yes, I get it, cartoonish proportions, but look at that original Ferrari 330, the balloon fenders. It mm. was mm. it was not really restrained. It was a <laughs> race car. It's yeah. going nuts. Yeah, yeah. And it was that beautiful, you know, swollen look to the fenders in, in that era that Ford GTs had it too. Mm. Every car was doing this. Porsche, everybody had that, that similar look. So... I just want to say I I hear you. You could you could argue that this De Tomaso kind of copied what the Glickenhaus uh car was doing. Yeah. yeah. But it was also already an homage to what Ferrari it's already a was reference. doing. It's a very so good point. It's a very good point. I don't know who can claim what, but ultimately yeah. competition is healthy. They're both beautiful cars. I love this P seventy two, by it's, the way. Gorgeous. It's spectacular. It's gorgeous. I really think it's there are some cartoony yeah. looks. The, yeah. The, uh, Jim was saying, well, I, I see Jeff Koons, not a Caravaggio. You know, I, okay. You know, I get it. You know, in the, in the art world, Jeff Koons okay. is known for, you know, kind of cartoonish proportions things. But uh, I, I like both. I think there's a place for both. Mm. And ultimately... There's a place for both in the in the world of cars. I'm just glad that supercars and you know are being continued to push on. I mean, heck, Gordon yeah, Murray's yeah. getting back in the game, so yeah, craziness. Give me a break. Anyway, well, but this is I thought whole, it was really crazy. It, it is it is nuts, and of course, the thing I'm sad about is there's going to be what 72 of these is what they're saying, yeah. and of course, they're all going to go to collectors and not be driven, and that just makes me sad. I just want to see one of these in motion for sure. In and Glickenhaus drives his stuff. They yes, he race, does. He they... builds his own stuff and then drives it into the ground, which is, which is awesome. To which be fantastic. They're this, this high level. De Tommaso, honestly, I think it looks as iconic as the other stuff that brand has made. I think it's very to brand. Yeah. If you look at yeah. The, the Mangusta and the the Pantera and those kind of cars, 
those at a car show are kind of timeless. I mean, you know mm-hmm. they're not yeah. last week, but you look at them and you're like, that still looks great. I think this holds up that tradition really well. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we're jumping from uh, Supercars and Goodwood Festival of Speed to our topic Tuesday, which is the driver's education. And again, this came from Volvo Cars, which anybody can go look up. Yeah. It is the report in conjunction with the Harris Poll. And it's just saying now driver's education is designed to be passed rather than designed to test your driving skills. Mm-hmm. It's it's at a least, lowest common denominator, yeah. At least in the U.S. For sure, for I, sure. I went yeah. digging into some information about driver's education around the world, but you and I have brought up the idea of graduated licenses, mm-hmm. and we've mm-hmm. talked about – I was just getting into a discussion the other day with a guy and, and complaining that Utah drivers are the worst. And I'm thinking, you, you grew up in Boston, like – <laughs> mm, interesting. I've heard of bad drivers there. We see bad driving in L.A. So yeah. we see it everywhere. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. It's. I really don't think there's a competition like, which state is the worst? There's <laughs> bad drivers everywhere, right? Yes, yes. yes. The, di- the difference I find is just you have to figure out what make and model they typically all drive. That's <laughs> exactly. what changes state exactly. to state. The bad driving is universal, unfortunately. And, and it is a situation where I, I do think – you know, as drive, and this article talks about it, as driver's ed becomes less and less common, it used to be something you could do through your school. And now you right. have to find a third-party right. company to do it. And that they have to make money. They need students to pass. Look, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go really conspiracy theory for a second. Since it's no longer done through, connected to schools, hmm. okay, you have to be a private entity who wants to do this. And by the way, bless you for deciding to want to teach a bunch of people to drive. <laughs> Bless you for that. But that means you have to run a business. But in the modern time, if you run a solo business that does one thing, what kills you is bad reviews. What's going to do a bad mm. review? I took my driving test from these people, and I didn't pass, which means everything's got to be yeah. lowered. Everything's got to be easier than it was the last time. I think it's bringing the entire standard down. Well, you bring up a good Good question here. Should this now be included again as part of public education in the U.S.? And then for parents seeking to fill in the gaps, which this report references, nowhere on this list of things to help you improve, to help new drivers improve, teens to improve, is a specialty school like track driving. We see driver's education, but what does that mean? How far does it go? And you and I have touched on this, and I thought it'd be a great opportunity to actually dive into this further because we've talked about the graduated licenses, Mm -hmm. which many countries or places on the planet have adopted Mm -hmm. for their their new drivers. Or over here is tech. Should more Mm. cameras be added? Should VR Mm. training be added? You know what? What kind of yeah, new tech yeah, yeah. should be added to the entire curriculum? Because, as you've probably heard me say before, you and I just pretty much want to teach the world how to drive better. As you and I have discovered, yes. the pleasure in improving our skills mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it it comes from honestly both hands in the steering wheel and on a higher attention level. And yeah, yeah you know, yeah. just always reminding yourself, okay, I'm in a car now. I'm not just. It, yeah, it's so yeah. easy. I'm just going to get food for dinner or I'm just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doing a I quick errand, whatever that is. Yeah. I, I, um, I come to all these questions, first of all, wanting to know what's going on around the world. Okay. And so I dug into a little bit of information here. First of all, data from worldatlas.com that was recently updated on March 15th of 2019 by Ali Asghar wow. So Well done. There's a, uh, a list here of countries or places where it's hardest to get a driver's license. Okay. All right. Topping the list, Saudi Arabia, South that's, Africa. That's for other reasons. Well, <laughs> that's that's not because the driving test is hard. It's well, a whole separate thing. These, these are yeah. all different levels, yeah, of course. Exactly. You're going South on. Africa is up there. United yes. Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Singapore. 
interesting. Interesting, yeah. Okay. Finland, which has a graduated license, and it also depends on theory lessons and time, a lot of time spent with an instructor. Yeah, Finland is difficult, but they create great drivers as a result. <laughs> yeah, if you want to win, get Finn, get right? Get Finn, yeah. Uh, Japan is way up there on the list hmm, okay. as, as far as just difficulty. Germany has a two-stage theory test and a minimum number of lessons on the Autobahn. And then for all urban driving tests, all assisting features are deactivated on the car. Interesting. And they have a high failure rate for the test. Interesting. Huh. They take okay. it very seriously. Yeah, 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 for sure they do. France has graduated licenses for ages 15 to 18. Okay, okay. Norway, where part of where you spent your growing up years, yes. is really hard. There's a four-part training in addition to the theory exam. Wow, wow. The Canadian province of Quebec has mandatory driver training, also has the graduated driver's license system. Hmm. So I come to this going, all right, <laughs> is everybody doing it better than we are? <laughs> the answer is no, because up until 2017, there was no test required in Mexico and not much required for China either. Interesting. So we're not, <laughs> we're, we're somewhere mid to bottom as far as, you know, requirements. Yeah. yeah. And I keep coming back to... The, the responsibility and the headspace that you bring to driving a car. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then with track driving, nowhere in any research have I seen track skills or track driving as it relates and improving mm -hmm. to your street driving skills. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. So I'm, and it I'm should, thinking, yeah. I definitely think it translates to street driving. Completely, completely it does. I, I'm also thinking about um, some information here that... Uh, the most difficult cities to navigate. Okay. The third toughest city on the list is New Delhi, India. <laughs> <clears throat> Be careful, all of you who There's regularly drive there. and listen to our podcast around New Delhi. Well, uh, I have heard Waymo, the folks at Waymo, yeah. indicate that they will not be introducing autonomous driving in places like New Delhi. Sure, of course not. Sheer people. Yeah, people and, and also lots of disregard for the rules, and you uh -huh. have a one vehicle paying attention to the rules. It's going to get nowhere. The car would never move. Yeah, it's going to get nowhere. Yeah. So I come to the importance of driving, and I mm -hmm. love that Volvo is taking this very seriously. And I, I know that other car companies think about it, but it doesn't seem like anybody has put as much research towards it as Volvo has because True. they're known for their safety. Absolutely. All absolutely. These assist features though. Well, in, in contrast, you bring this up, this dawns on me. There's been another thing that's happened in the news the last few days is Elon Musk has talked about the fact that part of the reason he wants to get all of the Teslas into robo taxi mode is to stop selling them. So that now <laughs> the fleet okay. is feeding money back into Tesla. And that's now the grand design for how to make money. Not that we sell cars, but we have robo-taxis. Tesla is the new Uber, but it's no drivers, okay, mm -hmm. essentially. This is, the, this is the current grand scheme. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that with a wink because sure. wait for the next tweet. But the point is there is a segment of – I'm not, not going to say car-loving culture. I'm going to say car-aware culture mm -hmm. okay. that is only looking for us all to get our hands off the wheel as soon as possible and let something else do it. And okay. I think you listening are in that group where you're just like, no, I actually like doing this. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people yeah. stuck in the middle and not sure where they fall. But I think that one of the, the one of the big issues that we have is you do have a lot of people. When, when Chad, our police officer friend, was on here, he talked about the people that he has pulled over who are either A, terrified of driving, or B, mm -hmm. would rather not. Yeah. So there's a segment of the populace. That exists. That absolutely. Take a Turo, be in a robo-taxi, 
being an autonomous car, great, because it takes stress off of you and it takes, if you will, safety concerns off the road to some degree mm-hmm. for, for, that, mm-hmm. for that group. I'm not saying that everybody that likes to drive is a good driver. I'm not saying that, by the way. <laughs> but then wouldn't it be interesting if well, we did not have, equal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wouldn't it be interesting if we did have a graduated license system, and I want, I want to give you some of my thoughts on that in a minute, that actually allowed for, if you want to drive yourself, there are levels of how much you're allowed to do based on how much time you put in to get trained properly. Which is kind of where my headspace is at. I mean, first of all, coming back to public education, don't ask me how to fund it, but I do feel like <laughs> we should include And the politicians education. won't know either. Yeah, Well, yeah. I, 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 in no way do I want to sound like that. I, I have not fully thought it through. But the point is I want people to be trained. I want young drivers to come away with yeah, yeah, the yeah. best driving education possible. So if that's the headline, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. It, what money does it cost? And how can yeah. we get people into yeah. this? And how can we train them beyond – all right, wait for the oncoming cars to go through the light before you turn left yeah. so you don't get T-boned. It's helpful. You know, little yeah. things. The, the L.A. left is something you have to learn Honestly, by fire. Yeah. Little, you know, that, that kind of stuff versus graduating to car control and understanding the weight over your tires mm-hmm. and checking your tires. Honestly, I, yeah, I mean, it comes sure. down to some minutia that people don't want to think about yeah, and yeah. thinking about tire pressures. I mean, we have digital tire pressure gauges in all of our cars now. Practically, yeah, but you're you supposed know, to, yeah. Are they always accurate and knowing tire pressures and just knowing basic mm-hmm. things about how your car is going to be mm. feeling and control? You know, cool mornings, your tires are cold. Yes, very true. You can't take that on ramp like you did before. Yeah. Uh, you know, all these kinds of things. I just want the, the level of awareness and instructing. But what it comes back to is the level of interest. People have to your yes. point. Yes, very true. Very people true. don't care. They don't no. want to. No, no. They'd rather be shuttled around. Yes. So autonomous or, cars are going to move at the the lowest common denominator yes. speed. Yes. And I also think that it creates a scenario. If there was a graduated thing, it creates a scenario where if you want to drive, but you just want to drive to have the freedom to get yourself places whenever you want, and you'd like to drive at that level, but you don't need to do anything else. That's one level. And then I I see, look, this is not fully fleshed out. I I realize that there's all kinds of infrastructure, (laughs) financial discussion. This is the reality of Topic Tuesdays. We're just riffing here. But (laughs) but I I think of it kind of like a combination of the Autobahn system mixed with our U.S. system of the HOV lane. Mm. And my my point being here, when the Autobahn, when you're driving on the Autobahn, like you do, when you're driving on the Autobahn, (laughs) and it has has all of their uh, street signs. If you've seen our pilgrimage film, we actually break this down in detail. All their street signs for speed are a circle, a circle about the size of a, if you think about somebody's bar tray, a circular bar tray, it's about that size. It's not that big. Yeah. And that has different indicators for what you need to know about the road's condition right now, what, what you're allowed to do. And if it's a white circle, with three black lines diagonally through it, that is, go as fast as you like. Mm-hmm. Now, what all of us listening that have never been on the Autobahn are thinking is, the minute that sign shows up, everybody's going well over 100. But the thing that's fascinating when you're there is, that's not true. Not at all, There actually. are people, like Paul and I, like Tom, like other, <laughs> others of us that like to drive fast, we get in the left lane, and we get going as fast as we can, and the only time we pull over is because there's a guy coming up behind you that somehow is even faster. In a black Audi. But usually, but there's an amazing number of people that stay one lane to the right, like a three, yeah. four lane highway yeah. in, in, in Germany. They'll be just one lane to the right. They're going quickly mm-hmm, enough mm-hmm. to pass like the slow trucks and that kind of stuff, but they're not gunning it. Yeah. Now, this is yeah. my point that what if the lanes were designated for allowable speeds and the far mm. left lane was as fast as you and traffic will allow? 
I'm into, yeah. and, and, and I'm actually going to HOV lanes now. Okay. Instead okay. of being an HOV lane sticker that allows you in the HOV lane, that sticker, imagine the sticker's going from green to red. Okay. And if you okay. have a little red sticker on the back of your car, you are unlimited. Okay. Okay. And then you have, that, that's what the HOV lane is for. So it actually has places where it's a separate lane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not even involved with the rest of traffic. It's a separate lane. That doesn't mean you're going to always get to go as fast as you want because it will be a guy in front of you invariably. But but the only way you get to that lane is because your car has that designation and you did all the licensing to get to there. Now, I realize this is already not a perfect system. Somebody that doesn't have the license could get in the car. I understand that. But by and large, if the car is being driven, it's probably being driven by the person that got that license. Right, generally speaking. Theoretically. I know this is I mean, not, this you not can, a perfect you system. You game the system. Not hey, a perfect can I system. your car? Of course you I know you've got you the could. unlimited sticker on it. But, but that, would, that would create a level of designation where if you want to be able to go faster and have more freedom in that regard, you're going to have to drive with the big boys and get trained accordingly. I would hope that it would encourage drivers to at least have the skills and get better. Because to reference your point here, there's different classes of racing, even within SCCA and NASA, there's different categories. If you are never been on track, I'm a rookie. Not only does a sticker go in your car, but you're in category one. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. And you're, you know, you're out there with folks kind of in your same level. This is a great reference. You're right. What if driving in real roads are like that? It's a great point. Yeah. What if the real roads and the lanes, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's just, I guess it would have to be lane dependent. Mm -hmm. We're thinking this through with you all as we're coming up with the idea. This is a live event. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome. Yes. Conceiving the event here, conceiving the rules here. But then category two and three, you're up there with people who've been on track before. They're starting mm-hmm. to get pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When they you're don't doing do track it, days, you know, for every sure. off, yeah. all that often. But you know, they understand car mm-hmm. control and tire management and weight management, all those mm-hmm. things. Yeah, they yeah, know totally. How to, you know, brake and turn in and all those kinds of things. And then category four is, all right, you guys are hot shoes. You know, unlimited. You can, you know, yeah. passing at Pass will. Wherever. Yep. yep. All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And and people respect these categories because safety. Yes, you're right. You're right. That is why. And in and in that means in the normal roads thing, we'd have to have the things that in Germany they use them for speed cameras, and they use them for speed cameras here too. But they have the overpasses that are checking. Like they check on a toll tag, for example. Right. But right. that would be because there's no there's no point. Let's not waste a good officer's time trying to police this problem. It would have right, to be. Right. It would have to be checking whatever that sticker or the little RFD or whatever it is that your car has to have to be in that lane, very much like a toll tag, checking that when you go through regularly, there'd be a check. And if you aren't in the right lane, there is a hefty fine. And when I I say hefty, it's got to be the kind of fine where you just look at it and you're like, that really unbelievably hurts. There's no way around yeah. it. It's not, I mean, <laughs> that to be like those crazy fines that well, encourage you for how to do it. Is this easy? No. Is it likely? Probably not. Uh, but it's fun to, fun, fun to <laughs> exactly. theorize. But it, is it perfect? No, it's not. No, of course not. Because of what we talked about with Chad, you know, talking about, you know, if he sees a hot car being handled well mm-hmm. and it's going pretty far over the speed limit he's not as as concerned even though you know and this yeah. is him personally speaking I'm, I'm paraphrasing for him yeah but he's not as concerned as uh you know some jalopy weaving through traffic and then you know he's got concerns well and versus he, a you know really high horsepower car being driven expertly mm-hmm. that's what that number one lane's for that's what we aspire to yeah, yeah. and then we all get our speed fixes our daily triples and that kind of thing Knowing that we can control our car, knowing that Hopefully, we're, yeah. you know, within reason, all that stuff. But how, how do you define that? I well, can't. but if, if we did this, it would have to be uh, honestly being in the upper class would have to be 
very expensive and take time. It would be like a pilot's license. It would be expensive yeah. and take time. Mm-hmm. And it would – please don't get me wrong. It would not be like so expensive that only rich people can do it. It would be something achievable, but I think it would have to have time involved as well, like a pilot's license, where you can't just throw down the money and you're a pilot. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You can't just no. go, here's all my cash. Give me a plane. No, you're still going to you have to learn. <laughs> okay? So it's, so they're, they're Supercar both. Supercar owners get to do this. Here's all exactly. my cash. Exactly and right. I, I'm an exactly expert. Exactly right. Give no, me the not. craziest, it can kill me now car. I don't have any business. <laughs> I'm coming out of a car that, that there's no way that I can transfer my skills, but I have a big bucket of cash. It can't be that to get these licenses. You have no. to be able to put the time and, and the actual uh, training in. And I think the upper levels would require track time. Because that, that clapped out VW Polo with a full cage in it yes, that weighs that 1,600 pounds is going to smoke you. That guy at the ring will will forever like, be in my brain. We, <laughs> rattle can we, paint job and everything. When we got there for our pilgrimage <laughs> film in 2015, there was a guy doing Tristan which is the open free-for-all, in, I don't even know what year it was, but it was a... Personally spray painted purple. You're right. Rattle can paint job Volkswagen Polo. <laughs> it might have even been a roller paint. Stripped and fully caged, and he had a helmet on, and he was taking all comers. Everybody. It was just you were going to get passed by that guy. <laughs> Obviously, the idea is far from perfect. We'd love to know your thoughts. But before we let you go, there is an update from Dan Mahoney. You remember we've been talking about Dan. Mm-hmm. He went to Italy on his honeymoon wanting to rent something fun. And what he did, he's, he sent us an email recently with the update. He took a little bit of column A from Todd and a little bit of column B from Paul here. He said their trip started in Milan, then Tacoma, and ending in Venice. And so for column A, they ended up renting a Ferrari 488 Spider. Delish. And they cruised around on it. They went to, uh, well, they had kilometer restrictions, of course. As and, you do uh, when you rent those things, yeah. <laughs> man, where did they go? They went shopping. They cruised around. He said mainly it was about you know tunnels. They only went about 125 miles an hour. But he said the best spots for speed were from Treviglio back to Milan, empty, flat, straight roads. And then you know they'd look out for tunnels, downshift, and just nail the throttle. So Love that it. was fun. The pictures are gorgeous, Dan. And then, moving on, they went to Joey Reynolds in Como, Italy, rented a 1961 Alfa Romeo Giulietta Spider manual drum brakes, wow. no power steering. The other end of the spectrum, which is really fun. Puttered around, and, and it was a pick, off, pick up and drop off at their hotel. Very cool. Very cool. He said, Dan said he mapped a driving route from Como to Bellagio to Lecco and back to Como to stay within the kilometer restrictions. But as they were pulling back into their hotel, back at the Como Hotel, there was a vintage Alpha meetup the very next day. <laughs> That's how you know you timed everything right, right Brilliant. there. Brilliant. And they had a great time. So obviously it can work. Dan, you did your research. Yeah, very cool. You got cool. two very Italian, but two very different experiences. That's what I like is the breadth of it for sure. So cool. So he did mention uh, all you have to do to go to, to get your international driver's license is to go to AAA and you get the stamp and you're good. And he just went and suddenly he's driving Ferrari in another country. Wow. Love it. Brilliant. Dan, thanks for the update. And uh, yeah, like I said, let us know your thoughts. Uh, Topic Tuesday, if you've got a good one, and uh, thoughts on the continued graduated license idea. Because we're solving it right now. We've clearly. It's solved solved right now. There will be no questions, and everybody's. And it's going to breeze through all the (laughs) politicians. It's just going to get signed off. I've figured out how to do public funding. I've figured it out. You're going to have to rewind to listen to it. It's all solved. (laughs) Thank you, guys. We're coming back. 
Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I, I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We're often asked how we find the cars we recommend because we do a lot of research for the show. Local or nationwide, our searches start with our friends at Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and search them all at once. You can see results from cars.com, cars direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to Auto Trader and Car Gurus without entering anything new. You can even search all of Craigslist nationwide. You know how hard it is to search Craigslist all at once? You can with Auto Tempest. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. Plus, the folks at Auto Tempest actually do listen to this very podcast right along with you, and they're always looking for ways to refine the site to make it better. They already have research tools, buyer and seller guides, and are listening to what features users want. So if we give you drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or you're just looking to feed the disease, autotempest.com is the place to start. Heck, I was honored an hour ago. Now we're dealing with a zombie, or at least we're trying to get away from being a zombie. This, this exactly. is Orland's problem. Orland is writing to us from the South Seattle area, and he said, I've been commuting to and from work for the last 20 years looking for a car to help me stay awake during my commute for the next 20 years. He has a Mazda 626. Remember those? Before it became oh, just a Mazda 6. He has a Mazda 626 that has 200,000 miles on it, and he's thinking, maybe it's time for something else. Orlin, yes, by the way, you wrote the right place. It is time for something else. Uh, Your wife has a 2016 Honda Pilot that's paid for, and you use when you have to haul stuff or go on golfing trips or whatever. And uh, you realize that that can now be, since that's paid for, then your truck that you also have on the side, which is a Mazda B3000, can just be what you describe, I love this description, as your motorized wheelbarrow, which is perfect. (laughs) So you've been looking around for what's next, and you are smart enough. You've had a a moment of revelation. You don't want to have another appliance. And so Mm -hmm. while you were first looking at, like, full-on commute cars, you went, there has to be a better way. And this introduces, by the way, you have to tell him about his neighbor. Oh, yes, yes. So Orland's neighbor actually put it all into perspective, he says. He, Orland's neighbor, this is him talking. If you spend your life commuting to work in something you don't like, which also looks like what everyone else is driving, then are you really enjoying life? I, hey, that's fantastic. Does your neighbor listen to this show? Because <laughs> I wonder. he sounds like somebody who would enjoy our madness for sure. He says his neighbor also drives a Hellcat. Yes, and I love that. When Orland asked him about his gas mileage, he laughed and said, well, when it gets low, I fill it up. <laughs> And he's an ex-Marine. He's so. an ex-Marine. Yeah, he's an ex-Marine, and he has a Hellcat. Isn't that he just a shirt? That's all of it. When it good. gets low, I fill it yes. back up. Yes. What's the problem? My gas mileage is I fill the tank. <laughs> yeah, perfect. All right, so Orlin once owned a murdered-out IROC-Z in high school. He still remembers all the fun he had in that car, and he says there's a time in his life where he loved to drive. Then life happened, you know, work, commute. Yes. 
stuff, vacations, all the, the, the requirements budgets, that pull us away. Yes, actually, all that we, stuff. Oh, we have to pay for all this stuff in our lives. We do. That's, huh. that's too bad. He wants some of that fun back, and he wants the fun back for $35,000. Mm-hmm. He can't push past 40000 without doing more saving, which he doesn't want to do. He's tired of the I'm waiting. I'm about the here and now, too, Orlin. He's tired of the waiting. No more saving for the future. Let's spend it all now. 626 is out. We need a car to keep <laughs> poor Orlin awake. And hopefully energized as well. Yeah, for sure. He doesn't have a huge commute, but this will be a commute car first and foremost. This is not a, I'm looking for a track car, but maybe you'll go tracking. But this is a car that he would like to buy new, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he would like to drive it. See his 626. He would like to drive it for a long time. (laughs) Right, exhibit A. So expect a couple hundred thousand miles most likely going on this car. Now, when you take all that into consideration, you look at he's got between $35,000 and $40,000. I was reading along here, and I went, You've got a problem. And then he actually discusses the problem Mm. because at that price point with those requirements, this is his description now. You can pick stylish and slow. See the Mazda MX-5 (laughs) Miata and the 86. You can pick high performance but old. See the, the Nissan 370Z. Or you can pick his description, performance with lower quality, the Mustangs and Camaros. His his big point here is where is the stuff that is going to be stylish – Fun to drive, good performance, reliable, and still within his budget. Because, of course, you could buy used Porsche Caymans all day long for this. Yes, yes. But then you aren't getting a new car. There's no warranty. And how are you going to feel about the maintenance to keep that running to 200,000 miles? I believe it'll do it, but ouch. His ex-Marine neighbor has suggested that if Orland gets into a Hellcat that he wants his own... (laughs) He, because he that could. Really, Hellcats are the answer. That really is the story. He says, but I don't want an old Hellcat. That That is whatever new animated Cars movie that comes out. There's going to be a character. I'm an old Hellcat. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm an old Hellcat. For I, sure. Yeah. I'm cheap now, but I can still go really fast. Yes. I'm telling you, $30,000 Hellcats were locking our doors. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So he says the Challenger is cool too, but he says pretty ubiquitous around South Seattle. That's kind of interesting. And even though he loves speed, he doesn't think he's a V8 guy. In high school, yeah, cool, burnouts, all that stuff. But he says a lot of current four-cylinders will probably do just as well as his old IROC. Well, true. Yeah, I I think the riding lawnmowers at Home Depot will do the same, but you know what I mean. But based on the stuff he's driven and his car history, he's right. A lot of the stuff that you get into now that's running 300 horsepower, so from a little four-cylinder, is going to feel crazy hot as a result. Yeah, for sure. All right, so it's the smile test. What keeps the smile on his face mm-hmm. and the confidence, having the confidence that you made the right choice ba- based on, mm-hmm. I, I, I bought the best car that fits me. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he's saying, yeah, Mustangs, Camaros, Challengers. He just doesn't think it's him. He doesn't think American muscle really appeals right now, unless it's, of course, a Mustang GT350R. Which is not in the budget. And a tire sponsor. Yeah, <clears throat> that as well. All right. So he drove a 2019 Mazda MX-5 RF, was smiling a lot. He That's loved putting telling. the top down. It's very telling. Convertible is actually in the equation here. Mm-hmm. And he says it was cool to be in something that got attention. Mm-hmm. He loved the handling. He could get by with the body roll. All of that stuff. Love the manual. Yep. That card go 200,000 miles. Oh, easy. Yeah, easy. it would. It would. And he says, you know, he drove an EcoBoost Mustang. And by the end of the drive, the door was making noise. And the salesman just turned up the radio to cover it up. <laughs> Huh. Perfect sales tactic. That's a man that knows his product right <laughs> hey, look, there. That's squirrel. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. So will he love the Miata? Will he love an RF? Okay. Or will he eventually be wanting more power? He says he, he's got a V-twin bike. He gets to triple digits really fast. 
But going from, you know, something like that to a Miata, will it leave him wanting? Will will he look at other cars mm. later on and be mm. like, ah, I if wish If you keep listening power. to this show, probably. Well, yeah. Honestly, th- this is the other problem, Orlin, that, that you haven't taken into consideration. Now that you've awoken the disease in yourself, you may not go 200,000 miles, not because the car won't, but because you're going to be like, honey... I'm buying a new car. And she's going she's gonna to be shocked. She's going to be like, well, it's only been like 75,000 miles. Years. This is the new me. Every, now I'm only running 75,000. Right. I mean, you and I, Paul, are like, hey, that's got 20,000 miles on it. You should get a new experience. But exactly. Orland's a different guy. But exactly. we're going to totally compress this now. All right. So I, I hear you, Orland, about getting it and then wondering about an Edelbrock supercharger later on. <laughs> she sure. says it doesn't exist yet. Yes, it does not. But how about, you know, just a supercharger? Something, you know, throwing money at it to improve the performance later on i also have to go back to the neighbor oh yes you want you want because he mentioned to his neighbor (laughs) now keep in mind to to put the picture in your mind let's just go with the stereotype his neighbor (laughs) is an ex-marine clearly is enjoying living his life and has a hellcat when it gets low i fill it up so orlin walked over and said this was a mistake by the way orlin i'm thinking about getting a a mazda miata rf and his neighbor said a miata (laughs) because uh, look, Orlin, has your neighbor ever driven one? I'm, I'm truly asking this question because my money's on no. Quite possibly no. And yeah. that neighbor isn't going to appreciate a Miata, but I'm going to spin the equation. I bet you money if you had that RF in your driveway, he would grudgingly admit it looks great. He may not want to drive it, but he would grudgingly admit that car looks great. Sure. The full convertible version there's a lot of people that you're never going to get past the looks of that car, and you're just going to assume it's a little car, and you don't know that it's any good. The RF looks quite exotic. It turns heads it in general. It does. Agree. And I think Agreed. that car parked in your driveway. Plus, who cares what your neighbor thinks? And by the way, you've kind of told us you aren't your neighbor looking per, for a big V8 muscle car. That Miata, that RF, and I don't think it's the only thing that's an option for you, by the way, but that Miata RF, I love the fact that you drove it and it already spoke to you. Mm-hmm. Follow mm-hmm. that rabbit trail. And I think, I, I'm curious, and you don't, don't stay here, would you be able to tolerate a manual transmission on your commute? Because This is I the big think, question here. I think yeah. that is a key element here to keep you engaged and enjoying. That Miata does a much better job, it would every single day, of being more engaging than that Hellcat. I agree. I mean, Orlin, only you can answer that question. We can recommend up one side and down the other, but only you can actually answer, will you be able to tolerate the manual that does inform your choice? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And until the good folks at Flying Miata figure out how to stuff a Hellcat engine into a Miata RF, <laughs> then I, I don't even want to think what that would but, do. But the new one with the more power that we're working to get into there for is Season that. 6, I mean, that's a little better as well. Which is a genuine contender. Because I agree. Any, any, I agree. Even a sprinkle of more power is great. Yes. We'll take it. Yes. Even just a sniff. Great. And, and I've found from lots of people that and I, and I am this story honestly I started with big cars with V8s and I've worked my way to the Lotus okay the, the more I discovered light involving cars the more I said that speaks to me now I know that's not everybody but there is an engagement involved with a small car this is why I say look the Hellcat at idle will leave you at a stoplight like take your foot off the brake don't even exactly. don't hit the gas the Hellcat will probably just walk the most. power from the torque converter alone just that we're just gone okay so I get it that's exactly. not it's, there's no on-ramp fun in the in the Miata RF unless it's a cloverleaf 
and then well, you're beating true. everybody. That's true. That would be the thing. You and your neighbor find a squiggly back road, like a squiggly back road. Ooh. See who has the better time. Oh, yeah, exactly. So anyway, it, th- these are very different shopping experiences, and I'm in- I want to encourage you for the stuff that speaks to you. I've got other ideas, too. Because of the uh, extra power in that RF, I say yeah. investigate that. Maybe that is the one you drove, but I, I'm I'm all about that. The power equation and the, you know, having more power by virtue of a turbo yeah, yeah. or more power turbo, I, I am concerned. I, I have thoughts mm-hmm. and I, I want you to know that as much as I want you to have a rear wheel drive, fun car, mm-hmm. manual or not, mm-hmm. either yeah, way, yeah, yeah. I do want to recommend, first of all, the Veloster N. I'm so glad. It's on my list too. I think it's a phenomenal option here. As you have probably heard, we just got out of that for episode one, season five, and came away really, really impressed. It's it's what Hyundai needs to be doing. It's what Mazda, frankly, should continue That's a good to be call doing. Out. That's a good call out. I agree with that, yeah. But then there's another car over here for thirty five grand. Wondering if Actually, you and I are gonna have all the same list. Keep less. going. Civic Type R. Yep. That's on my list no as well. No kidding. Yes. <laughs> we do not yes. consult before the podcast, Orlin, to, to keep it fresh for that very reason. But the Civic Type R, if you have not driven that, because of comfort mode, that could actually override having a manual. That could mean, okay, all right, it's comfort, but I'm still driving a manual. So Yeah. It's, it's going so to be tolerance of that manual is going to be what it's going to be about. In both those cars, Veloster N and the Civic Type R and even the RF. But could you tolerate? Could, the, the, the Civic Type R is is manual only. It is. It is. As is the SI. Yeah. Now, for rear-wheel drive, convertible or not, automatic or not, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the M240i is 35 or less all day long. 2017s and 2018s slightly used. Oh, so you're going something like it's only had a it's, few thousand miles on it. It's car, exactly. Yeah, okay. I see where it's, you're going. It's car. All right, all right I see it. I but see it. there's a lot of goodness. That's the balance between commute mm-hmm. and you can really hustle it. Mm-hmm. It's a brilliant car that, to drive. Yeah. And it does come as a convertible. And they're genuinely quick. They really are. Yeah, so yeah. I, I've brought them up before, but the 240i is now the upgraded motor. Okay, so yeah, okay, a bit more yeah. power and a bit more mm-hmm. yeah. stuff, and they're yep. more expensive and all that stuff. You could go back, but I'm thinking 240i because you've got the choice. You've got automatic. You've got manual. You've got yeah, convertible yeah, or not, yeah. all those kinds of things. And does it look as fun? Is it uh, it's stylistically? Not near, it's not nearly as, as standout. What did you get? Who not are nearly, you? Yeah. What You know, it's not one yeah. of those. But it does put the smile on your face again. I, I genuinely I, think I it agree will. with you. I agree. With you. I think the Veloster, the Type R, and the RF, all three of those are folks. I've turned over a new leaf, and I want a car I like. Heck yeah! Okay, you mentioned that you are a middle school band teacher and a football coach. I think Coach <laughs> drives any of those three cars, and that's really cool. the The BMW holds its own, but it's far more normal. It is, look. and just it's in there but because of rear wheel drive. No, but no, but it, but to drive, to it's drive everything he's looking for. Brilliant! I totally agree. It's everything yeah. he's looking for. He could even get the automatic. It's that eight speed. It would be great. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. last one that you mentioned in passing, Orlando, and I want to touch on it as well. You could get a Kia Stinger. Could and you could. if yeah. if you headed down the route to your neighbors, thinking the car for you is the Kia Stinger. You want a little bit bigger car. You still want some fun. You want some real grunt. But you don't need the big monster Hellcat he's got. It's the Kia Stinger. Mm-hmm. And that would be a great choice. But I like these little hatchbacks and that RF for you quite a bit because I think – I really wonder about this manual thing. Write us back and let us know because if you can handle the manual on your commute, I think that goes a long way right there for keeping you engaged. Now you just need a car with a good manual and good speak-to-you dynamics and all the things we've listed do. 
Orland, uh, really appreciate you writing to us. You've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. We're on the website. You can come visit us there and send in your debate. We definitely welcome them. We're jumping to social media questions now because we've got so many. Very quickly, a, uh, a shout-out to Glenn DiGiacomo of Glenn's Car Collection mm-hmm. on Instagram. Yeah. Friend of the show and fan of the show. Really appreciate you writing in, Glenn. And, and uh, yeah, how are you? He's writing to us with a very quick debate, $38,000 budget yeah, for me. This, yeah. He's driven so many cars and has owned so many cars Tons. That's that what you, makes this you hard. need something fresh, Glenn. And I, I want to offer this up. He's had 1Ms. He's had Z3M mm-hmm. Coupes, mm-hmm. Yep. lots of yep. BMWs, Caymans, lots of 911s, an Exige S. He's had almost all the high-end, greatest hits cars you and I have cars ever recommended. He's owned, for sure, yeah. But for $38,000. Okay. I have found your car. Oh, have you really? It's actually near you at topgearporsche.com. Okay. It's in New Jersey, and it is not a Porsche. Somebody's so excited to have that URL, they could barely stand themselves. No the kidding. Way. Topgearporsche.com. It's, it's Top Gear Imports in the, the URL. So, they're so excited about Porsche. themselves that they actually got that URL. <laughs> Sorry, go on. It is, Glenn, a 93 Mazda RX-7. That is a good new experience. 47,000 miles, because what Glenn is wanting is just... Just a refreshing. It's like a giant mint for driving. Just I just a want different a, weekend so car. So different, and and it's I also see. a weekend right. car. This owner has totally rebuilt the rotor engine. It okay. just got new paint. It's only got forty seven thousand miles. Thirty seven eight hundred eighty eight dollars. Surprised it's that much, but that's probably super uh, clean. Others are actually more expensive because clean, unmolested FD RX sevens mm-hmm. are going up in price again. Yeah, they are. Here's one for thirty eight grand, and because it's just the weekend car, it's rear wheel drive, high revving, manual. It's, it's a, a very different. Feel. It's a yeah. three quarter size sports car. I think it's the refreshment. Mm. It's mm. not German, and I I do I'm. I'm really excited like to look that. at that's this a, car. That's a good random one there. He's had accurate NSXs. He's had all kinds of stuff. He's so had much. S2000s, a couple of S2000s, yeah. and he had that Lotus Exceed. One of the things he mentions here is he'd like to get into something that will hold its value. Now, now, Glenn, that's where the whole record scratches for me. <laughs> this is the problem with this disease that we all have. I hear you. You can't really shop that way. I mean, that's that's really the problem because it's uh, tough at low budgets. Well, I but guess. it's it's kind of tough period because you're you're guessing what can I buy, drive, enjoy, sell and not lose money. Mm-hmm. About the only thing I can think of that really holds up that is any kind of normal person budget is the Lotus Elise and you've already had an Exige. Yeah. And the only reason yeah. the Elise hangs on to it is because nobody's building anything like that again. Yeah. Okay. True. That's true. the reason, all right? So so that's a really difficult ask honestly. So I think in many ways that goes out the window. I found a car I loved for you because you've actually said that you are looking actually for the current Corvette Stingray, mm-hmm. uh, a used one, of course, a 29 Cayman S, which is just after the IMS bearing because you had a prior one and you loved it, but this is post-IMS bearing, and that one was pre. So there's that one, or maybe another 997 or an E92 M3, which is close to stuff you've already owned. I see that world. What I want for you isn't in your budget, <laughs> and that's that generation Boxster Spider. Oh, good. Yeah. Because that's not anything you've owned, and the Spider is the refined, better version of that generation Boxster. But the problem is they're 50, 55. I was going to say, they're still 55, 60, are they yeah. not? It depends on like, which one you find. Real but, nice but ones, they're, yeah. they're certainly they're 50, and he's talking 35, 38, so we're out of budget. That was True. the car I was laying on. I was like, that's perfect, but it's just it's just too much. All, the other reason I like that car is because that car, within reason, is going to hold its value. True. True. So I don't know, Glenn. I know that you own lots of stuff at a time. So I don't know if this 
part of your budget has flexibility, which is why I want to mention it anyway. Mm-hmm. Because you're the kind Fair of guy, enough. because you've got lots of cars in the fleet, you may just want to go out in general. But I'm sitting here looking at your list going, that's a car that is close to the stuff you like, but it isn't something you've had. And it's the greatest hits version of that car. It's true. Guy. Back to t- back to 2011, the year for greatest hits. But I will say, you you touched on something with the RX-7 that's very interesting. The 90s cars are all turning now. I wonder if they start They're to go back up, They're all starting to turn yeah. now. Look at what's happened to your beloved 928s. I know. Look God. at what's happened to the 300ZXs that your I Z. love. Yeah. Those 90s cars are all starting to turn now because, let's be honest, it's the same thing that happens. It's that it's that 20 to 40-year swath, okay? Mm-hmm. All of us that were in high school when those cars were new and couldn't possibly <laughs> afford it are now old enough to have money and be like, you know what I've always wanted? Exactly. And so they're all turning. Exactly. Crazy. Oh, man. CamTX underscore NY asks our thoughts on purchasing a car that we know has been used as a Turo car. Hmm. What are our precautions that we would take other than a general pre-purchase inspection? And this is specifically for an S2000. Hmm. Todd and I have talked about press cars being Mm over-maintained. You know, they're really being used hard, okay? But they're really well-maintained. In that case, fine. But for a Turo... It's it's a question mark. Yeah, I agree, and especially yeah. for an S two thousand, because this is not just Prius, Corolla, Camry, yeah, Accord. Yeah. It's just been driven, and people are saving money on their rentals. It's hooned. Well, and that's the other thing about it is, is we've made the joke before. Others have made the joke. No car, no car gets beat on like a rental car. <laughs> and I'm sorry, it's the fastest car you've ever driven. My, I'm sorry, <laughs> but most people treat a Turo. Like a rental, oh, absolutely. not like they borrowed their friend's car. If you borrow your friend's car, you might hoon your friend's car, but you're aware of the fact that you're going to look them in the eye later if something breaks. Okay? <laughs> exactly. When you have a Turo car, especially if you did the Turo with the insurance, uh, we left the Turo lot in Los Angeles once, you and I, in something we actually rented because we couldn't get the press car we needed. We rented a car at oh, the Turo lot. Right. We turned the corner and passing us, wiggling because they could barely control the car, was a Corvette C7 Z06 that somebody else had just turroed. And we looked at each other. We said, that car's wrecked before the rental's done. Because they were, I mean, literally, this was less than a block away from where we all picked up these cars. It had hit a curb or something, right? No, no, we didn't see them hit anything yet. But that was my concern, is that they they were already... Borderline oh. out of control, a yeah. block. You remember this car? Now, they've a block them away. They've teed themselves up for danger. Block away from where yeah. they picked the car up. It was like that car's going down. <laughs> so this is rental car thinking applied to somebody's personal car. Now you're thinking of buying it. Let me switch the question to you. Would you buy a used rental car? I mean, at my parents did back <laughs> ah, a long time ago, but it was a Camry. Yeah. It would just run anyway, and it doesn't matter. But for a specialty car like this. I know it might be cheap, but you might still find a, uh, as good of a deal in a a car that you know has not been quite so beat on. Yeah, I think it's, that one's probably just I good. have a red flag about that one. I hear you. It depends. You. It could be amazing, but I just – it's hard. That's hard for sure. Ariopolis asked an interesting question, and I'm curious where you fall on this. He said, what's the most rewarding feedback we've gotten from people where we've recommended certain cars or car stuff? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what I like, and I'm not going to talk to a specific instance. I'm going to talk to something that happens now and then that I love seeing. When somebody writes to us, and there's always a larger story, so I'm not going to try to get into a specific one, but they write to us and they say, I kind of thought cars were cool. I I kind of liked them. mm -hmm. I've always driven a car, and it's been fine. But I've always thought, you know, cars were pretty, and they were kind of that thing over there that that you kind of respect and kind of like, but you're not really into. Yeah. And they listen to this podcast, 
And they went out and realized, I love cars, and I have bought something I love. I don't even care what the car is in that scenario. Just the fact that they had kind of a glancing interest in cars, and because of interacting with our show, and in some cases, others of you listening, if you go to our Discord or whatever, they interact with kind of this community that is Everyday Driver, and they realize, I love cars, I chased cars, using what I've learned, I have now found something I love. I like that story more than I can tell you, and it's happened a lot, and I'm thrilled by that. Yeah, especially when they name a particular thing, mm-hmm. and your debate hasn't necessarily been featured, but you can infer information about what Todd and I are talking yeah, about. Yeah, for sure. You think, okay, the guys have said this. I wonder if I take that thinking and I go drive, you know, give yourself driving homework, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you come away finding a car that you, it's just you. And prior, I love that. And prior to that, this person, whoever's writing, they weren't known to be a car person. It's mm-hmm. not like they had a string of cars and looking for the next one. They were just like, I like cars. I, I like that car. I love that car. That's awesome. And, and especially for a, a good price, a good budget. Yeah, when cars sure. are well for bought, sure. yeah. you did your homework, and you dug up something, you found this cool, awesome thing for mm-hmm. a great price. Even though <laughs> there are many emails when people write to us and say, yeah, you know that polymer? I kind of blew that out, too. And <laughs> that is a common <clears throat> threat. Did I? Did I? Did Paul go high? No, because I went past that. Yeah, exactly. Paul didn't blow the budget. I, the, the person with the budget, blew the budget. That's, that's always um, a good laugh. Nick Dorn 2.0 on Instagram asking about mismatches. Which cars have engines that outsign the rest of the platform? Hellcats. <clears throat> and vice versa. <laughs> Toyota 86s. <laughs> which bonus question is, which engine and chassis would we combine to make your ultimate weekend car? Hmm. Weekend car. Well, there's so many good ones that are already there. I mean, I'm I'm Cayman guy. Anything mid-engine, I would say. We've there, there's so many cars that already kind of check that box, if you know what I mean. But from uh, uh, <laughs> engines outperforming chassis, it's interesting these days because of the amount of cars that are turboed mm-hmm. and have small mm-hmm. displacement. But what that yeah, has yeah. meant is less weight over the front wheels. Sure, definitely. Interestingly, I think even in SUVs, you and I are starting to gravitate more towards those. Even though we love big V8s and the power they give, we're always open to, you know, say the Mercedes GTS, the AMG GTS, had an inline six that was turboed within an inch of its life. Mm-hmm. I think we might be more attracted to something like that, that kind of recipe Interesting. over the big V8, something like yeah, that. Sometimes. I just I see that coming more and more with the proliferation of power, and especially what AMG's getting out of mm-hmm. four-cylinders these days, which is astounding. But I, I feel like mid-engine is just that that recipe, even though we're kind of dailing both during the summer, <laughs> dailing both yeah. our cars. Yeah, what about, I'm, just, I'm totally thinking of this right now, what about the engine in your car mm. in an FRS? Oh, that because that has that the higher you rev it, the better the power. Really good sure, naturally aspirated sure. motor. You're dealing with a little over 300 horsepower, which is essentially, I think, the upper limits of good balance for that chassis. I think 250 to 300 is probably the sweet spot for that chassis. Mm-hmm. So it'd be mm-hmm. a little, it'd be a little heavier, probably closer to three grand, three thousand pounds. But that that's got a great engine sound. I can't imagine the packaging reality of this. I'm not even thinking that. I'm just I'm just theorizing here. That engine and drivetrain, engine and exhaust, if you will, from your car in an '86 chassis would be really interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Because you know, there's the that. guy that put the, the he's got the four yeah. five eight six. He's got the four five eight motor in an '86, and it's yeah. the big V12, and it's a screaming drift car. I get it. It's funny, but I also <laughs> just wonder because of the the personality of the engine in your car married with the proper amount of power for that chassis. I'm totally dreaming here, but mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. I hear you. All right. What other questions you find here? 
There are many, as always. Hey, about Ronnie Merrill on Instagram says, how do we help him justify the fact that there are five people in his family, uh, he and his wife and three <laughs> kids, and uh, he wants to get a car, he says, with only four seats. You know what, Ronnie? I'm going to push you right over the edge. Two seats. <laughs> What's up with this four-seat stuff? Because here's, here, here's the thing, and, and this is a common reality. And look, it's a common reality across the board. It's not just you guys. Once family happens, there is this thing that happens to all of us where we just think every car, and, th- and honestly, I'm going to go to the side note. This is also happening in car culture at large. This is the reason, what I'm about to say is the reason that CUVs are proliferating because we somehow are all have been drugged and convinced that every car we have has to do everything we might ever need it to do. Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> Why true. does every car we have been have to carry every possible family member on a camping trip? Why? That's marketing right there. It is. It is. And this is the reason that CUVs are succeeding so well. There is nothing wrong with a tool for the job. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. So if you would like a car that is a little more fun, and now let's let look, I'll, I'll stay in two plus twos. Okay. Now you can only pick up two of the kids. This is what scheduling is about, folks. This is, I need to go here and then I need to go there. You don't have to have all cars that do all things all the time because this is now the one-size-fits-all shirt. Technically, you're covered and none of it's good. Okay? (laughs) All right? It doesn't actually fit anybody. So, uh, so if you have belts, if you, yeah, exactly. jackets, exactly. So if, you, if you have the, and you probably do, if you have the appliance family car, great. Don't feel like every other car has to do everything the appliance do at all family car does. So if you don't have the whole family can go in the car, I think that's okay because there's times for cars. And you actually follow up by asking me specifically, do I ever have time when I wish that my whole family, me and my wife and my son could all be in the Elise? Now, we've all been, we all used to get in the FRS, and that was very cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the truth is, for me, it's not that big an issue because we all, as a family, really like the Elise, and we know its limitations, which is it's tiny. Yeah. So yeah. so we just balance out. My, my wife will go on errands, and she's going to pick up my son somewhere in the process. She's like, can I take your car? She, she just knows the errands she's running and are going to work. Them, the two of them have that experience. The then. two of them love and it. They're bonding and they're yes. doing their thing. And then he and I drive in it and she and I drive in it. Right. it there's, a, there's a rotation right. happens and it makes it even more of a kind of special event than just everybody pile in this thing. What would, be, what would happen, Ronnie? I'm going to ask you and, and, and your wife, hi, is now listening as well and probably <laughs> the kids. But here's the, here's the question. What if you had a car that you couldn't all fit in and that was now a little bit of an event car? Like it. I know all of these these dads, and they have like actual planned play dates with specific kids. Yeah, okay? that that's very common. Okay, so what if you had that car where it's a car where when you go out with your wife or you go out with one of your children, you take that car. It's an event car as well. Hopefully, it's it, usable enough. You can do other things, but why not make it an event? I like that. There's father daughter days. There's yes, date night with your absolutely. wife. There's absolutely. I'm just taking my son for ice cream, and it's just he and I. Totally like that kind of thinking, and the car is part of that. And a lot of times scheduling is very possible to figure this out. The thing that that shouldn't happen, and I've learned this with my wife and we because we kind of did it naturally, but don't do this. Don't make that only your car. Yeah. So then you have the situation where, honey, I'm going to take the big family barge today and I'm doing all the pickups and that <laughs> right. kind of stuff. You take the fun one. Right. Right. That's excellent. 
Question on Instagram from Fastline Motorsports, who was watching the Goodwood Festival of Speed and asking, why are all the old cars of the 1920s and 30s, why do they have so much positive camber on the front wheels? I'm going to take a stab at this, Mm. but follow me for a minute. The very first freeway in the United States was Highway 110 from Pasadena down to... I think right into downtown and then it got extended. Okay. It's, it's very fun. It's very, it's, it's, very, it's, it's not very like any other fun. freeway. It is very fun. It's fun for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's very twisty through the hills of LA. Yes. Because in the fifties, cars could not hang on tire technology mm. and cars in general didn't really hang on as well as a modern Camry could today. This is true. This is very true. Yeah. It was built for the times. Mm-hmm. It was built for slow cruising and slow, just, freeway speeds and yeah. it was a little bit faster but the, it was the road okay mm, interesting okay right. so now we come to cars of the 20s and 30s when road construction still is not proliferated throughout the US the interstate system hadn't even been yeah. conceived yeah, yeah. yet okay and so i believe it has to do with the crown the crown of the road being able to drain off Okay. More so because drainage was a little bit different. It wasn't as well executed, let's say, then on modern on roads then as modern roads are today. And so when you're going around a corner, think of the attitude of the car. And now the inside wheel is now right side up. It's actually perpendicular to the road. Therefore, more tire surface on the road. Mm-hmm. Giving you better grip, keeping I, the, I believe. Keeping the proper tire surface on, surface on correct. The road. Yeah. I believe that was the As thinking. You lean in. Due to the time, just think about when those cars were around. We don't have modern asphalt and concrete and as fast roads as we do now. So think about back then, and then mm. what the cars had to deal with, and then okay, how could manufacturers kind of compensate for? what road construction was then mm. somebody correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that's the the headspace of why those cars had that it was really an effort to counteract it was a a counteraction of you know i'm sure the it's road construction offset. and then that inside going around a corner now your wheel is actually right side up it's perfectly zero camber i'm sure it has to do with offsetting suspension movement and trying to keep because those tires were quite limited they were limited so trying to keep the proper amount of the tread on on the road surface and suspension it didn't have independent suspension then because uh that came in gosh what 60s somebody correct me again i'm not going to guess but i'm gonna get that wrong the independent suspension actually keeps the 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 The, actual camber the wheel vertical whereas it it was springs then in the 20s and 30s springs and solid axles and how do we compensate? Something had had to go. Mm. So that's where they actually try to devise that that better handling there. Th- those tires were uh, were not good. They were astounding. They, really not. They, they worked. But anyway, there's that company. I forget. There's a company that actually just makes old vintage tires in new tire Oh, is rubber. it uh, Coker? I think so. I think they're Coker one of them. Just, that's all they do, which is a whole thing. Uh, yeah. Clearly, they need people to keep buying cars at auctions because they need to keep making tires <laughs> for somebody. Will. There's that, yeah. All right, last question here from Lucky Jerk asking, when somebody owns two cars, he feels like it's tough to drive the fun car to work because of the fear of people judging you and making you, you know, people thinking you make so much more money when Mm. you really don't. Mm. And that has to do with the everyday everyday driver ethos when you bought a car so well. It happened with my 928. I paid $19.5 then. Yeah, you did. Grinding my teeth now. I should have kept it. But (laughs) $19.5 then. And it was an $80,000 car new in 1988. And people are going, wow, what? 
because it still looked and performed like an $80,000 sports car. First time I put my dad up in our Porsche Cayenne, he looked at me like I like, had spent money so badly. Yeah. And yeah. then I told him I got it for twenty five grand, and he then nearly passed out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's the well-bought, yeah. you know, the well-researched cars that we promote. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can, you can brace yourself. You can try it out. If it's, if it's as bad as you fear the first time, then you're going to have to make the decision whether you ever do it again, whether you ever drive the fun yeah. car to work again. Yeah. But, you know, maybe you can park it in the back, hide it under a shady tree or something around. Yeah, hopefully it's not bright yellow like my Lotus and wants <laughs> to be parked hard. right up front so you can see it. But it's please hard, don't do that. but yeah. otherwise, if people ask, that's your entry point to engage them in the thinking mm-hmm. that you and I talk about all the time is yeah. better bought. I bought used. Have you noticed these cars have plummeted in price and mm-hmm. now that car is actually cheaper than your new Accord. Yeah. Well, there, there's absolutely those conversations. You can ask people what they're driving. I mean, this is a very common thing. I hate to call it out, but it's true. Texas. Hmm. That pickup next to you was oh. probably more expensive than most sports cars on the road. Oh. But the impression is yeah. you pull up in the pickup, you just, you, just bought, you just bought a pickup. You're one of the boys. But you pull pickup. up in a sports car. Well, oh, well, you're just you're rich and spending money weird. Yeah. But that's very common. It's very common. It's not just Texas, but I know it's happened there. It's happened to me there. So there's that. But, <laughs> but So the other part of this equation is do you need to care? And I know this yeah. is this is this yeah. is tricky conversation, but there is there is the whole part of it about do, does it need to matter to you? Because and I know we're getting way down into like the psychological weeds here, but everybody's spending their money on something. Psychological weeds. There you go. Everybody's spending their money on something, and <laughs> yeah, you just true. went out and said, "I like cars. I like mm-hmm. driving this car." And I almost think maybe I'm wrong here. I almost think if you drive that car more often than every now and then, it looks more normal. If you True. pull it out every True. now and then, and oh, you have a whole car you only drive occasionally, <laughs> you have lots of money. What if you drive it all the time? Yeah, true. True. What if What if you drive it every day that it's a nice day, and there's hundreds of those in the in the calendar year? Sure. If you drive it a third of the time you drive it to work, it becomes less of a big deal. Very true. Just thinking. Very true, guys. Thanks for all your questions. Keep asking on social media and. We're, we're enjoying, and uh, hopefully you are as well. So thank you so much for your questions. We're Absolutely. looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.